Well, hello and welcome back to the Two Kinky Women podcast, where we dish about everything kink. I am your co-host, Midnight Lady. My partner is Mistress Gabrielle. Hello again. Glad to be back and glad to see that you guys are back too. Um, We've been doing some uh, very interesting discussions lately. We have some great stuff coming up. And uh, some of that great stuff is going to happen right now in this podcast. Our topic, Midnight Lady, is... The power of humiliation and depersonalization. Which is a very hot button for some people. It really Uh, is. It's a hot topic. It is. And for other people, it could be uh, a uh, hard limit. They won't experience it. They won't give it out. Uh, but we're also, we're going to just talk about all of it this in this episode. We're going to talk about how to do it, what it is, how to do it, why do people like it, how to navigate such a high-level kinky activity. Um, yeah, and it really is a high-level kinky activity because if you ask people, people say, well, depersonalization, you know, dehumanizing uh, your slave or submissive is a very, very intense experience. Uh, experience. No question about it. Now, that does not mean that some of these dehumanizing uh, um, activities that we engage in are necessarily all so serious. You can have a huge amount of fun in doing oh, sure. in, in depersonalizing. Absolutely. It depends, like everything else that we do, the type of scene you're going to negotiate. Right. So the, the technical definition for humiliation is to reduce someone to a lower position in your eyes. Uh, so what does that entail? You know, the, how would you go about reducing someone to a lower position in your eyes? What is the mindset of the bottom who wants to experience this, like, for me, it's a hard limit. I, I don't experience it. And as a dominant, I will not engage in that type of play. So what do you think is uh, the appeal and the mindset for the bottom who wants to experience this? Well, in terms of depersonalization, in other words, uh, uh, changing your or transforming, let's say, transforming your slave or submissive into, say, a piece of furniture or a, um, uh, an animal, or, uh, for example, a piece of carpet, all right, or anything along those lines. It's exactly what I said it is. It's transformational. Um, it's controversial because it is transformational. You're really transforming your human being into something less than. So it includes the process of humiliation, as it does the process of um, uh, just, not just, but dehumanizing, making someone into something else. But of course, that transformation only happens with their agreement. There are many people who have the mindset that they are or would like to be. They fantasize about being a horse or a pony or a dog or a cat, or a furry. Um, 
any of those kinds of things. They fantasize that. But what that really means is you are willing to do a radical transformation, changing a person into an object. Why does that appeal to people? Well, the idea of transformation, I think, appeals to people in general. You know, being something that you're not. That's an incredible fantasy. And if you can do it safely with Mm. people who are going to care about your well-being after the fact, in other words, once that scene is over, then it's a pretty good, safe environment to fantasize and role play because that's what it is. It's role play. When I have uh, a submissive man um, um, in my, uh, well, let's put it this way, in my hands, when I have a submissive man in my hands, and this is a man who I know uh, humiliation is a humongous turn on, huge, huge turn on. So what am I going to do with somebody along these lines within acceptable uh, boundaries, which have been discussed before, of course, I'm going to change or transform my submissive male, who is a very strong and powerful in the vanilla world, man, into, say, well, I'm going to make him uh, from a fine, upstanding citizen into a slut or a whore who charges $5 on the street for a blowjob. Okay? If that's not humiliation, I don't know what is, but there has to be a suspension of belief. So there we go Mm. into the role-playing. Now, when we are not in scene, as it were, or in session, whatever you want to call it, um... Do I still do that? Do I use that kind of humiliation? Well, yes, if that's where I know he wants to go and I'm enjoying taking him there. Uh If that's not the case, if it's particularly a scene uh, activity and that's the start and the stop of it, well, no, we don't continue with it because it's a role play. And the best role players, I mean, you go to a Star Trek convention, you know, you're uh, Captain Picard throughout the convention, but once you leave, uh, you're down to poor old, uh, you know, John Smith at that particular time, right? No more Captain Picard. So there's a start and an end. So you have, you know, the... The CEO of a Fortune 500 company serves as a table on weekends, you know, or the high-level CEO or the high-level bank executive, different, very stressful jobs, um, surgeons or, you know. Yes, or police officers, state troopers. That's a big one. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So that they want to take on that persona. They want to experience those feelings, um, which is, I think, why we all do kink. is Because we want to experience feelings and different sensations, things of that nature. So there are different types of humiliation and scenarios. There really are. In fact, let me mention another one with my fine, upstanding citizen example I just gave you. Uh, women's underwear. Okay. Humiliation of having to wear women's underwear, panties, and a bra underneath your three-piece $2,000 suit. Mm-hmm. How lovely is that? Even better, going to a lingerie shop with that particular fellow and making it very obvious 
not by dragging people who are shopping or the salespeople into my scene, but making it very obvious that this lingerie is for this man, okay? That's humiliation. Mm. Even if they want it, it's humiliating. Yeah. I guarantee you it is humili because humiliating. Because there is a male standard, you know, a male more that says men are masculine and, and uh, so that's something that's very interesting to me is messing with society's traditional roles for men and women. Um, another thing that, that does strike me as interesting, though, is the forced bisexuality and, and forced cross-dressing. Now, I'm saying forced with air quotes because we really don't force unless we have consensual non-consent, uh, which you know, it changes the dynamic to some extent. But the forced bisexualness and forced cross-dressing are so much fun because of that cultural norm that men are masculine and I would I would define something like maybe forced cross dressing as um, showing up at a um, uh, uh, at a party that I'm doing. Uh, we're having a party. We're having a, a, even a play party or any other kind of party actually. And uh, you know, uh, informing my my submissive, uh, you're going to show up um, dressed in your maid's outfit. That's what you're going to do. Well, I've never done that before. <laughs> so big deal. You've never done it before. You're going to do it tonight. There is no question about it. So get that dress on. I don't know if it's going to fit me. I don't know if I'm going to feel good in it. I don't know um, if I could uh, put on pantyhose. How do you put on pantyhose? Well, let's figure it out. Okay, let's do it. I'm not going to make you put on a pair of pantyhose in front of people, but you'll be wearing that pair of pantyhose and all the rest of it as well. In fact, I have some lovely rouge and lipstick for you to put on too. Okay, how does somebody relate to that? You know this is something they want. You've talked about it. You've been yes. there in some Negotiated way. Perhaps in the past. An right. And you remember that because every good dominant has a great memory for the things that you've talked about. Right? right? Well, supposedly. Father. But Yeah. So the idea being that, you know, someplace in the back of your mind, you guys have spoken about this kind of a thing, and here's the opportunity to take advantage of it. Right. You know? But the forced buy, the forced cross-dressing, when we say that, we do use our air quotes. Yeah. Because you can't force anyone, you know, to be forced by a female or a male if that's not something they want to do. Right. So when we say forced, what are we talking about really when we say forced? We're talking about um, giving them the opportunity that they otherwise would not have had. You're going to transform it and make it into a thing, into a scene. And that opportunity to be, oh my gosh, a sissy maid. I could never be a sissy maid. I'm 6'2", I weigh 240 pounds, and I'm the antithesis of a sissy maid. Well, perhaps you are, but you won't be this weekend. So you take it from there. So that would also uh, apply to furniture. Like, um, okay, for the next two hours, you're going to get on your hands and knees and be my table. And I'm going to put my 
hot tea. Uh, and so you better be a good table. Um, but it's not really hot tea. But you tell them it's going to be hot tea. Listen, it's bizarre to want to turn a person into a table to begin with. But we're going to play. We're going to have fun with it. Okay. It's going to be a playful thing for us. Okay. We're going to make that submissive into an inordinate object. So there we go. We can call that objectivism, I guess, but that's a philosophical movement we're not concerned with. What we're talking about is making a human being into an object, but we're doing it in a playful way. There are other ways to do it as well. well it does not have to be playful. That is the next thing I wanted to bring up is that verbal humiliation can be intensely damaging if not done in a way that promotes the scene or protects your bottom. Uh, there's a huge uh, divide. You know, some people love the word slut. Correct. Some people love it. They think, oh, I'm a slut. They want to be called a slut. Uh, for me, don't ever call me a slut. That, that will, that's a hard limit. Whore? Whore, on the other, word, on the other hand, oh, yeah, whore, whore is great. <laughs> howa. My mother used to say, howa. Yeah, right. Don't be a howa. <laughs> Sorry, with Jersey City, you know. Yeah, Italian. that's a New Jersey accent you just gave us an example of. Yeah, that's Jersey City <laughs> Italian. Um, so you have to be careful. You have to negotiate the words that you're going to be saying so that you can do the scene in a way that doesn't damage your bottom or your submissive. Don't use the word slut if that word is going to upset her or trigger her. But she loves the word whore or cunt or some other, you know. You discuss these words ahead of time because they can be in very, very damaging. They really can. Uh, if you are not careful with how you are saying, I mean, and I think verbal humiliation is even worse than like physical humiliation. Yeah, it really depends on the mindset that you're using at the time. I know that um, uh, humiliation uh, of a verbal variety is something that, um, th that a lot of people, men and women, enjoy as part of the sex act. So they take it out of a DS context, mm. except for the humiliation aspect, and actually engage in it within <coughs> the sexual activity that they're, that they're involved with. And again, it's bizarre to some people, but to other people, it's a humongous turn on. There are many, yes. many people who are just hugely turned on by dirty words. And particularly if those dirty words pertain to them or dirty scenarios. For example, humiliation of, of taking your submissive and um, walking around the uh, dungeon, say, for example, in a, in, at an event and doing something uh, with that person that makes them feel um, less than, for example, again, you're role playing. For example, in bright red lipstick on your naked submissive or half naked submissive, I am a slut or I am mistress's whore, whatever it happens to be. That is definitely using your words for humiliation. And a lot of people love it. 
lot of people get turned mm. off to it. But that transformation from your partner, your play partner, your husband, your girlfriend, whatever it happens to be, you got to come back from that. And you're 100% right in that regard. You got to come back from that. And uh, how you generally come back from it is uh, you leave the dungeon, you go back up to your room, or you go to get a drink or have something to eat. And by that time, your slut has turned into your nice upstanding citizen again. Or not depends on how you structure your scene. Now, there's another interesting way to do a humiliation scene in that you could, again, with negotiation between your your bottom and another dominant. So all three of you are now communicating and negotiating. He could be loaned out, or she could be loaned out to be used by another dominant. Absolutely. Now, of course, you would have to trust this other dominant, to, you know, uh, and this other dominant needs to know what his or her limits are. Um, so that means that you have to communicate to that dominant or your circle, okay, prior mm-hmm. to actually doing this kind of scene. And if it's done with consensual non-consent, the only thing you really have to do is announce to your submissive that you are going to be lent out to master so-and-so and uh, you are to be a very good girl. You're supposed to do exactly as master uh, says, at commands, whatever. Um, and your submissive at that point may be very excited by the concept, okay? Mm. Because your submissive knows, even with consensual non-consent, what the list of allowable activities is and what the list of non-allowable activities is. So we say consensual non-consent because that means we don't have to grab consent at that moment, okay? And we don't have to be in consensual agreement during that particular scene. However, guess what? Safe words still apply. Always. Always. Because we're all about safety here. Absolutely. Another interesting uh, way to do a humiliation scene is allowing another dominant to punish your submissive. Right. Uh, Again, this goes with negotiation because there's different types of punishment. You know, physical punishment or verbal or, you know. Things of that nature. I'll give you an example. You are so worthless, I don't even want to punish you. You're so worthless. It's not even worth my time. Not at all. And as far as I'm and concerned. My so right. Let somebody person, Yeah. And, and had you not so disappointed me for not remembering that I like two sugars in my coffee in the morning and you gave me no sugars in my coffee this morning. What kind of submissive are you that you can't remember? Of course, all of these words in this scenario have all been negotiated at some point in the past. Right, right. Uh, Emphasizing communication here again. You know, this is is something that... that, um, it works for no matter who you are in whatever scenario you are. At work, with your family, at play, with close friends, with, uh, you know, acquaintances, whatever the case may be. There is never a substitute for communication. You've got to talk to each other. There is, though. There is an element of, holy shit, 
I'm going to be punished by someone else, but I'm so used to my dominant being this way or that way. And then to be thrust upon someone else, another dominant whose play style is very different from yours, um, can be very humbling and very distracting. Because uh, now you, you're tried and true. Oh, my dominant always punishes me this way. And I like that. Well, now, <laughs> now, you know, it's going to be quite different. It's not about you. Exactly. It's going to be quite different. Here's another scenario with two dominants in this particular situation. Um, say, for example, you're at, you know, you're in your dungeon, your play party, whatever it happens to be. And you are going to be uh, engaged in an activity with your with your slave or your submissive. And say, for example, for the use of this uh, example, you're pegging your, your submissive. We should just take a moment to explain what pegging is. Pegging. Would you like to? Please All right, I'll tell you. All right. So uh, pegging is anal sex where the man is the bottom. Specifically, the man is the bottom. Uh, they needed a way to differentiate between anal sex uh, between vanilla people, uh, man and a wife, man, man and woman, and uh, pegging between a woman on top and a man on the bottom. So that's pegging. It's anal pegging. sex, specifically anal sex while the woman is on top and the man is receiving. Gotcha. Okay. So how about this particular scene? I'm pegging my, uh, my slave and he is, needless to say, having the time of his life. But you come by and see us in this activity and you commit the first uh, particular, uh, shall we say, sin of play parties <laughs> or uh, dungeons Dungeon play, because you interrupt our scene to say hello to me. Now, of course, this is all pre-negotiated. You got it. Before, your bottom may or may not know that this has been pre-negotiated. Yes, you do not ever interrupt someone else's scene unless, (laughs) unless, unless. That is the scene. That's right. That is the scene, is to be have someone come over. Now, your dominant is still pegging the bottom, but it's not for his pleasure. You're just talking to somebody else and completely forgetting about the the bottom. Uh, I mean, your hip action is going. Oh, I mean, you're, you're still, still moving. Yes. And he's like, oh my God. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm like. Not the center of her intention anymore. Oh, like what's going on? This is very humiliating. Oh, There's it's no, terrible. No question because about it. Because you were it. the center of her attention a moment ago. And right. now she's talking about breakfast at the hotel <laughs> and the class that she took. This and really works. She in, saw these great shoes in yes, the vendor area. Absolutely. <laughs> this really works. It oh, really, it's it really, it's, it's, oh, it's I've really done terrific. that yeah. scene before. Yeah, where it's I terrific. Was the dominant, I and was in fact, saying. yeah, I, I, in fact, I can't remember a scene like that ever going bad. It's always been tremendous fun for me. And of course, for the, uh, for the slave or the submissive who's into humiliation, uh, this little uh, kind of public humiliation, wow, it really rings their bell. Lots of public humiliation 
rings the bell. But again, I want to indicate that it's really not recommended that you bring people who have nothing whatsoever to do with your scene into your scene. No. There are people yeah. do it, but I would like to suggest that it's less than uh, a Ideal. good idea. Yeah, I, I, a wild, they become a wild card that you can't yeah. anticipate. Right how that's going to turn right. out. So uh, say, for example, in, in, in big cities, there have been times when I've seen in New York City and Chicago and also uh, in, in a couple of cities in Florida, big cities, uh, where I've seen men and women um, walking their submissive uh, either as a, uh, an animal, as a pony, or as a, um, as a dog, or just... Walking their submissive with a um, with a collar and a leash. Okay, this I think you can do very successfully in some places, and you really don't attract very much attention because most people aren't looking at anybody else unless they're tourists. Um, what they're looking at, generally speaking, is their phone or their or the sidewalk and who's in front of them and looking for traffic lights so they can. Uh, either cross the street or jaywalk. So the idea being most people in big city environments, it's not going to mean anything. But please be judicious as to where you do something public. Public humiliation can be um, a bridge too far, particularly in an area where it would not be appreciated. And I think we all know what those areas would mm. be. Okay? I, I, I definitely do. So remember that it's just not really... Let me put it to you this way, polite, to bring people who have absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with DS or your scene into your scene. So you use a little smarts if you're going to do a public humiliation scene like in the lingerie store. Or, for example, you are and you're, and you're submissive, who's also your partner, are in a restaurant and you take out your beautiful black or red lace panties, hand them across the table, and I'm talking about a male submissive, and tell him... Um, okay, into the men's room, change into these panties. They're my panties. You wear them. And I want yours. I want your tidy whities back in my hand. Okay. The waitress doesn't need to know about it. No. The hostess doesn't need to know about it. And nobody in the men's room needs to know about it either. But here's the thing. Your bottom doesn't know if they're going to know about it or not. They might know about it. You might say something. Very well, I might. <laughs> you might say something. They don't know if you're going to say something or not. Right. Uh, when the waitress came back to the table, she said, um, are, are you ready? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, give us a few more minutes. Um, he was in the men's room. I don't know what the hell he was doing. He was in there for well, a while. He could have changed his clothes for all I know. So could you give us a few more minutes? Well, he was frantic. Am I going to tell the waitress what he was doing? Well, of course, I was not going to do that, but he, he didn't know that. Know that. <laughs> so, yes, so much you fun. Could have, <clears throat> you could have so much fun with this. You, you really could. Can. Here's another scenario. Go over to Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, and put in a remote control butt plug. And make him order coffee while you're buzzing him. <laughs> I love it. The, it's great. It's great. The, the guy at Starbucks taking your coffee order 
doesn't know why you're having so much difficulty using words, you know, <laughs> the words that you learned when you were like three. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Um, the other thing is using a shock, uh, a shock um, device of some sort or another, because every time that shock device goes off, my submissive goes, oh, and, <laughs> and the guy behind the counter there, the barista is like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> it really can so, be so much fun. It, it can be a lot of fun, but the here's also something to be wary of or try and just understand better. Uh, Dan Savage is, uh, we talk about him quite a bit on the podcast. He has a term called fetish too far. Uh, there are risks to some of the humiliation, depersonalization types of things where, you, you know, they want to be a, a human ashtray and you put up your cigarettes on, on this hum, in the ashtray and, you know, uh, do the thing where you butt out, you know, put the cigarette out or drop the ashes or they want to be a human toilet. Um... We here like to say that your kink is okay, my kink's okay. Yes. And at some point, though, we have to be aware of the risks. Ingesting human waste, very dangerous. Extraordinarily dangerous. Very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Can get you very, very sick. Like deadly, kill you sick. Um, human ashtray burns to the skin, third degree burns, uh, can get infected, um, ashes. I mean, they're very intense and you have to be very careful that you don't intentionally damage, uh, your bottom or your submissive because they, they like these things. They like to, there are some ways that you could... You know, they want to be a human toilet. Okay. Uh, what can we do to make sure that you're not ingesting? Um, I'll pee on your lower body. I will not pee on your face or your mouth. Or, you know, a little bit of saran wrap or something just over the mouth. You know, and I'll pee, you know, around you. And, you know, like there are some workarounds if that's your thing. And, but you got to do it safely so that you're not putting other people at risk with their health. Um, so you can do these intense interactions. You can. and But remember that safely. they are got to do it safely. And remember that they really are considered uh, pretty much by, uh, by the world in general as being extraordinarily bizarre. Who is going to ask to have cigarettes and cigars put out on their skin? Well, some people might do it or might want to do it because it is considered, as far as they're concerned, uh, body modification or scarification, okay? And that's something they want to do. Um, If that is something that they want to do, um, you better be ready to handle something along those lines. Medical play okay, needs to be called in. And the reason I say that is because if you're burning somebody, you're now burning them, essentially, uh, giving them a third-degree burn. 
that's a danger. There's no question about that. Okay. You have to know how to handle something along those lines. And uh, if you can't, somebody else had better be able to do it who is extremely nearby. And remember that these things, um, they are um, uh, essentially dangerous. Keep in mind what it is you're doing. Keep in mind. Safe, sane, and consensual? Well, it's safe if you know what you're doing. Consensual? Yeah, you both agreed on it. Is it sane? Well, we have this little thing that we say, my kink's okay, your kink's okay. Well, sometimes it's not. And I think as far as the um, uh, subculture of kink is concerned, I think we need to recognize that. A lot of people will say, well, you can't be judgmental. You cannot do that in the kink scene because we've suffered from being judged, you know, since the beginning of kink. But the reality is some things are not worth doing, okay? And just because you've fantasized it doesn't mean that you should do it. Sometimes fantasies are best left just where they are in your As head. fantasies. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I have a very strong fantasy about uh figging figging is terribly humiliating uh do you want to say what figging is oh okay figging is where you put a piece of fresh ginger root in your bottom's anus oh boy and it doesn't produce any ill effects at first but the oil from the ginger gets into the skin uh, of your anus and produces a at the beginning a mild burn but the longer that figging state the longer that ginger root stays in your anus the more intense the burning becomes oh boy uh, for me I would never ever ever in a million years want to do that for, for real but fantasy watching other people Oh, it's great. It's great. That's a really good example of of keeping a fantasy where it belongs, which is in your head. Now, that's not to say that you can't discuss it with oh. your partner and they can't fantasize about it. It's a it. hot button. If I or even to, if even, I want to come like fast, yeah. That is a hot button. It's Amazing, like, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's also a good source of uh, a, a humiliation scene by having your partner know that that is indeed the case and giving you the business for not wanting to do it for real. Boy, what a sissy you are. You say that you're a slave. You say that you are an utmost slave. You say that uh, your ass is to be taken any way I want it. Well, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're a wimp. You're a wimp. You're a sissy. Come on, come on. Well, that can really be an incredible time. used as a threat. There you go. I know you don't like this, but we have a consensual non-consent. And if I decide I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. How humiliating to agree to something along those lines. Wow. And then that, you know, you, you come out with it in a bowl and you just put the bowl in front of them. And he says, any minute now. I might decide to put that inside you. That's nasty. <laughs> I like it. Nasty, but good. Yeah, it is. It Meanwhile, really is. you have no intention right, of right, putting that right. in their bottom. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, 
I guess essentially what we're talking about is is basic, you know, uh, transformation from being whoever it is you are and depersonalizing you either through um, uh, depersonalizing the submissive or the slave uh, or the victim, uh, depersonalizing them uh, in so many different kinds of ways, making them into an object, making them into the footstool, putting them down on the floor and becoming the carpet so now everybody walks in. As the carpet, again, you have to be careful because if you're wearing six-inch stiletto heels and you're going to walk in him, you got to be careful you're not putting your six-inch stiletto heels through his kidney um, by accident. Right. He moves. You lose your balance. Right. Um, you have to think this things through. I'll give you an example of one of my mentors, my actually my main mentor in the scene. Um, wonderful, wonderful woman who has, 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 um, has passed away. Um, boy, can we use her, her smarts every time I'm in a dungeon, I just think to myself, well, what would she have done? You know? So the idea being you come into my apartment and I have a rule in my apartment, which is everybody takes off their shoes. And the other thing I do is I give everyone, men and women, little slip socks to wear when they take off their shoes. Cause a lot of people don't have socks on and they may feel, um, they may feel, something about not having any socks on. I want them to feel comfortable in my home, but you must take off your shoes. And this is the way she was. And so what she used to do was <laughs> after the door, there was a nice little hallway. So you took off your shoes, you got your little slipper socks, and then you were invited to, shall we say, um, just maybe clean your feet just a little bit on her submissive, her slave. And My new carpet. Your new carpet. There he was. Now, he happened to have this particular slave I'm talking about, talking about a real life thing that happened. He happened to have a, um, um, uh, a problem with his kidneys. And she had red, um, <laughs> red masking tape or duct tape, yes. whatever it was. And just on the parts that you should not go anywhere near, which was just his lower back where the kidneys were. Right. Um, do not step there. You know, do not step anywhere. That's perfect. That's but, doing what you want yeah, to get done, doing right. the experience, but doing it safely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was it was just it was just really wonderful to see something like that where she was really taking care of him, but she was giving him what it was he needed. Right. And she was giving the rest of us a great time. We were just enjoying it and say, ah, this is fabulous. I wish you had been around last week when I had my submissive at my house. I would have done the same thing. But um, think about these things before you do them. We, we're always talking about safety. You have to be clear and communicative with the dominant about the words that you like to hear and the words that you don't like to hear, words that will upset you if said to you. Um, You have to be very clear about that. And if you don't do humiliation, like for me, with my trauma background, I don't do any, any, no humiliation whatsoever. And as a people pleaser and a service submissive, if I'm not doing something and and 
I'll beat myself up way more than anybody else could ever beat me up, you know, in terms of humiliation. Right. So, um, be very clear if humiliation is what you want and how does your humiliation look for you? Um, because, you know, some people might do the physical humiliation, but they won't do the verbal. Yes. Or they might love to verbal, but they right. won't, they don't want to do the physical right. part. Absolutely. So again, it's all about communication. And there's another aspect to that communication as well. Now you're saying as a bottom, you don't want to be involved in any kind of humiliation scene. Well, what if about me as a top? What if I don't want to? Okay. And essentially yes. when you negotiate these kinds of things, you're going to have to be clear. Now as a top, you don't want to, because you switch back and forth. As uh-huh. a top, you don't want to be involved in a humiliation scene. Be clear at the outset. Yes. Now, when you and I, uh, as part of my contract with you, when you and I play together, I don't have a problem with you doing the humiliation with your boy. Right. But you will not ask me to say something right. humiliating Absolutely. to him. But I'm good with watching you do it and facilitating what you need in order to do it. So that's okay too. You can still be involved in the scene uh, in a way that makes it okay for you and the other parties in the scene as well. The next thing to, to close this segment, as the dominant, we have to safeguard our partners. We do not want to break anyone after the humiliation scene. There has to be aftercare. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. Full stop. Has to be aftercare. There has to be. Because you cannot take these people and strip them of their humanity and strip them of their who they are as the clean-cut, you know, upright citizen. However, I do have to indicate one other thing, which is uh, the difference between a safely enacted fantasy and a dangerous reality, Mm. okay? Um, That difference between the two may be the very thing that makes somebody hot and bothered, okay? It very well might be. But the reality is the danger or the part that can be a danger. So the negotiation for the scene itself has to be based in a reality, in a real area, a Mm. real area. And that includes what you're going to do after the after career is critical for this absolutely critical the other thing too that that in addition to the aftercare as dominance we have a lot of power uh but with great power comes great responsibility right to coin a phrase from i think a spider-man movie yeah um we cannot abuse People who have given us their trust and their caring. We can only take them so far without breaking them. 
and you can't take them that far and not bring them back. Right. You can't end a, a, a humiliation scene and say, okay, bye-bye, see you next week. No, you have to provide the aftercare in the moment, but also after you separate, after the scene, let's say, and take a break or whatever, your partner or someone else, and you you see them again an hour later because they needed to lay down or, or whatever, whatever. You see them an hour later, go up to them again and say, that was a really intense scene. How are you doing? Don't yeah. just forget about them and say, next. Right, right. Really, for that kind of next level, varsity level kink, it's one of the reasons really why have to you know give yeah them it's one care. of the reasons why humiliation and depersonalization uh you know dehumanizing your slave or submissive is so intense um it's usually done by people who know each other and have played yes. have played before it's not really pick up play pick no. up play is somebody you meet in the dungeon or sitting and and having lunch and you decide you're going to play tonight. It's usually not the case. It can be, but it usually isn't. So, again, communicate. Unless you can do light humiliation. Yes, you can. Because they say, oh, I love it if you call me slut. Uh, That would just drive me crazy. I would love it. Well, then you got the go ahead. And that's awesome. You can certainly do that. Right. Um, So... In, in closing of this segment, uh, we always say do it with safety. Absolutely. I am so excited to introduce a new segment to the podcast. So we'll have the beginning where we discuss our topic But our newest introduction, our newest addition to the podcast is our segment called Ask the Mistress, where every month we're going to be answering a question from our loyal uh, subscribers and our loyal listeners uh, on Instagram and on email. Uh, We are on Instagram and Shout us out on Instagram and friend us on Instagram and follow us. And we are more than happy to collect your questions and answer them on the podcast. So to start our new segment, uh, the question for this month is, my Dom wants me to flog him and I don't feel comfortable with that. How do I do that? Uh Uh-huh. So, you're just not into it, right? But you're into him, right? But you're not into the activity. Well, there are a couple ways to handle it. And one of the things that I'd like to recommend when we talk about um, about people um, uh, in uh, specific roles is that people like variety. People like to do things that are a little different from things they've done before. And one of those things might be, ooh, I would love to be flogged with that incredible sheepskin flogger we just got at the event, which is absolutely gorgeous, and it's fur on one side. Wow. 
I would just love that because I see the way you're reacting to it and I play around with it myself. But I mean, I'm testing it out. I would love for you to to do that. And you go, oh, man, if I flog him, if I top him, then who's the top? Who's the bottom? And I don't want to see him in that role. I don't want to see her in that role. Well, people like variety. And just because, okay, you like to wear pajamas with little bunny feet doesn't mean that you are less of a dominant. And just because you want to feel the same sensations that you've been giving to your your bottom doesn't mean that you're less of a dominant either. So I would say, think of this this, uh, phrase, um, what is a service top? What is a service top? Who is a service top? When are you a service top? Well, that's what a service top does. A top who is providing service. And that's what you would do. And you would do it because your dominant is asking for it. The whole concept is the dominant does what you're asking for, okay? You do what the dominant is asking for. There's a really good uh, segue here, which we're not going to follow up on, not in this podcast, which is who's really in charge in a scene anyway. But nonetheless, the point being, there are many people who love sensation and there are many people who love sensation play. Doesn't necessarily mean they want a heavy flogging. Doesn't necessarily mean they want you to practice your bullwhip strokes with uh, his bottom, but his physical bottom I'm talking about. But the idea being that um, sensation play is extraordinarily erotic give you an example of sensation play, which everybody is entitled to if they want it, which is wearing the kinds of, what are they, vampire gloves? Mm. Really nice leather gloves that have the the sticky things almost, right, coming out of... Like the claws. Claws. Or they have almost like it's um, inserted, um, uh, um, what do you call those things, Um, uh, thumbtacks. Mm, throughout yes. throughout the palm yes. and up and down the fingers. Softly done, that is probably one of the most erotic things one person can do for another, mm-hmm. okay, top or bottom, and follow that with a piece of uh, rabbit fur. Oh, Whoa. Bunnying. Right? Love that. Love that. Okay. So the thing is, if you love it so much, why shouldn't somebody else love it so much? I think, too, that that if you switch your mindset, switch the mindset as a service submissive, I want to make my dominant happy. I want to provide a service that if he wants to be pegged because he likes anal play, I as his service submissive, want to provide him a service that he enjoys. Why wouldn't I do that? And now you are a service top. In that, but I am providing him with the pleasure that he is asking for. So that doesn't make him any less dominant. If it does diminish his power... Um, or uh, the power that you've given over, if it does diminish the power that you've given over to him, then I suggest that you think about 
this particular dichotomy and figure it out in your own head. Yes. You really need to do that because it does not diminish him one iota should he want to achieve sexual or sensitive, okay, um, you know, feelings, um, activities, or whatever it is. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Because let's face it, in a scene, the bottom, generally speaking, is the object of the activity. It's all about the bottom. Again, we're not going to get into that heavily today. But it is all about the bottom. So you are doing, okay, what the bottom needs. It is only natural and right for you to turn around and do what your top wants as well or needs as well. There are a couple of books out there. I remember reading one many, many years ago called The Loving Dominant by um, uh, John Warren, I believe, and his wife, Libby. I believe they both wrote it, but maybe not. But in any event, um, so you're not into it. What should you do? Well, read up on it. And what I mean by reading up on it is to read up what sensual sensual play really does to a person and why that is a wonderful thing to be able to provide for somebody you care about. There was a, a, an event where my dominant husband and I, I was very clearly uh, submissive the entire day. But then in the dungeon they saw me pecking him and they just freaked they freaked the fuck out they were like wait a minute i thought he was top and you were bottom i said we are because but you were pecking him actually they said they were i was fucking him but you were fucking him i said yes he goes i don't understand why i said because it's what he wanted he wanted that experience. He enjoys that experience. And so I want him to have the pleasure that he so wants. It's no different from getting coffee for him in the morning. There you go. And there's absolutely, he enjoys his coffee. I want to make sure he has what he enjoys. So I'm going to get him his coffee every morning. Let me add something else. If, for example, um, this uh, woman who, who wrote into us, she said, what should I do? If it's something you simply cannot abide, you simply, this is something I cannot do. It's just going to take my mindset, uh, my submissive frame of mind and throw it in the garbage. I simply can't do it. We'll figure out some other way that you can please him. Maybe there's someone else in your circle of friends who will be so happy to oblige. There are ways around it. But if it's an absolute firm limit, and you're entitled to a firm limit, okay? If it is, then see what else you can accomplish and find a way for you both to be mutually happy and pleased with each other. I think that's excellent advice. That means you would have to open up and allow play with other partners. Right. And generally speaking, it's uh, it, it, it's unless you've agreed to it before or you're in an open relationship or Paul, uh, if you're non-monogamous, um, it's easy. If you are monogamous, well, you put out the, uh, you know, the, the boundaries. You know, there's this is not sexual. Okay. I, you can flog someone uh, and it's certainly not sexual. It can be sensual. 
but it certainly does not have to be sexual. Well, I think we certainly... I uh, think so, too. <laughs> ...discussed a lot in this episode. So if you have any questions or comments... Yeah, keep those on, questions and comments coming in. ...on anything that we discussed today or anything that you see on Instagram, uh, we post on Instagram, email us at tkw at twokinkywomen.com, and that's the numeric two, tkw at twokinkywomen.com. Sign up for the newsletter, and you know what you get with the newsletter? What do you get? (laughs) Tell them, Johnny, what they won. (laughs) You get your free downloadable beginner's guide to kink chock full of great beginners information terms definitions there's even a couple of uh, pictorials in there to whet your appetite for and it doesn't cost you anything to sign up and you say well i'm not a beginner what do i need what do i need all that for well you're going to meet plenty of people in your scene life who could use that information they are beginners so you can always hand it and every month we we do not blanket you with emails that's right at once a month you get an email that tells you that the new episode is out and for being loyal subscribers and listeners, you get another free downloadable. Please go onto the website, twokinkywomenpodcast.com, where every month we also do an infographic. They are wonderful. With the top five things you need to know yeah. about this episode. Absolutely. Because we're all about the education here at Two right. Kinky Women. And we are Two Kinky Women. And we want you to be be kinky kinky too. too. See you next time.